Thanks, Jai. You can um, you can sit back and uh, and take a little bit of a, a seat and relax. Jai and Alex and Haley and Brendan and the whole squad will be back a little bit later. There we go. Excellent. Get myself all teed up. I've got so many pieces. Wow. Here we go. Um, <clears throat> I actually uh, I spent four years of my life uh, living living in America. So I spent four years uh, living in the United States, and uh, and one of the things that I, I used to I lo used to love to do while I was over there is go and uh, and watch our university teams play sport. It was really kind of big deal on campus. Uh, I was in a small university town, so there wasn't always a lot going on during the nights and the weekends, and so often we would go together as a group. And my favourite thing that I loved, or the favourite sporting event that I loved going to, was basketball. Americans just do things differently. Like if you're ever traveling in America and you have the opportunity to go to like a college or a university sporting game and particularly a basketball game, you should do it, right? Because Americans just do things differently. They do, they hype things up so well. And it was just, it was really odd for me as an Australian to kind of go and sit in that kind of context and in that kind of place and, and see the way they hyped things up. But my favorite thing, my favorite thing about, uh, about the um, American college basketball games was the walkouts, okay? They, they had this kind of walkout or really this team introduction thing that they would do. And it was completely different for the away team than it was for the home team. Now, I wanna let you guys in on a little bit of a secret. Um, our friend Lockie, who was up here hosting before, Lockie has told me that like, he's a little bit of a basketball kind of, like he rates himself a little bit. And so what I thought to do, rather than introducing myself, because that's a little bit wanky to be the guy up here and then introducing yourself, I thought what I would do is I would introduce Lockie. And I, I just thought I'd kind of give you two contrasting, um, the, the way that the, they would introduce the away team, and then I want to show you the way they would introduce the home team. So the way they would introduce the away team, it was almost like a race, and it was kind of like get through it as quickly as possible. So one of the uh, universities that uh, we used to play, one of our big rivals, they were called the Hastings College Broncos. So let's just imagine for a second that Lockie played for the Hastings College Broncos. This is how they'd introduce him. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, starting at point guard, he's 5'11", we don't know where he's from. His name's Lockie McLean and he plays for the Hastings College Broncos. And they'd go through two, three, and they just get through them super, 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 super quickly, right? One after the other, after the other, yeah. And it would kind of be like that. Like, they wouldn't even have a moment to kind of get out onto the, onto the court. Uh, no one would have an opportunity to cheer. And then, um, then it would come to the home fans. Now, before, before we get to the point, you need to know two things. First of all, the university I went to was Concordia University and we were the Bulldogs. So when I announced that, okay, you know where this is coming. And second thing, I thought it's not really fair for Lockie just to have a, an away team introduction. So I really want to give him um, and help him simulate like a home team introduction. And you're going to help me do that, right? Because there will be a part where I just like, where I, and you'll know the part, right? You'll, you won't be able to miss it. Where I say Lockie McLean, that's where I want you guys to go nuts and then you'll get the best, best simulation of what it's like. Lock, you'll get the best simulation of what it's like. Because essentially what would happen is all the, all the lights would be up for the home team, and then, or for the away team, and then when the home team would come out, all the lights would go dark. And the music would start. And the music would build. And the announcer would be like, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the court, your Concordia University Nebraska Bulldogs. Starting at point guard, he is 6'6", six, six. he's from Brisbane, Australia. Make some noise for Lucky McLean! Uh, 
And they would go through everyone like that, and the house lights would, uh, would come back up, and we'd, uh, we'd return to programming as normal. But they would go through every single person, and they'd have a cool handshake, except they'd nail their fist bump on like we did. And, uh, and it kind of, that was really odd for me, kind of going into that scenario. And, and I asked someone one day, I said, why, why is it they do that? Like, I'm like, okay, like I've got no idea, I've never been to a game before, tell me why they do that. And they, they said, well, really what they, they want to do with the away team is to make them feel as small and as insignificant as possible, right? Because you want to, like, essentially they would read the name so quickly that no one could even clap for their team, and if they'd clap, they'd clap over the name of the next person coming out. So, uh, so no one really got a cheer, no one really kind of got G'd up. And then by, like, killing all the lights and by introducing everyone slowly, one after the other, what they were doing was they were essentially broadcasting a message to the away team to say, hey, everyone in this stadium is against you. Everyone in this stadium is for the people that are walking out onto the court right now, and, and you may as well just pack up and leave right now because it's not going to be a fun night for you. And, and we've been doing a series, actually, over the last couple of weeks. We're wrapping it up tonight. And it's called Thank You Next, and it's been all about relationships, it's been all about dating, and it's been uh, all about sex. Sex part was last week. If you missed, uh, missed that, you can jump onto our SoundCloud and catch up on it. But, but we've been talking about how do we navigate relationships and dating in a Thank You Next world. And the reason I kind of give that illustration is because maybe for some of you, you've felt throughout this series like you're the home team. You felt like, yeah, okay, you kind of, like, I'm going to take some notes, I'm going to apply some of this stuff, this is really awesome stuff, like, I'm excited, I'm ready to get out into the dating game and I'm ready kind of to apply some of this stuff to my life. But, but maybe for some of you throughout this series, you've felt a little bit like the away team. You've, you've felt a little bit like, oh man, like, do I have, like, can I just kind of miss all of these series and I'll just come back when it's over? And, and maybe it's not the fact that you, you've disagreed with anything we've been talking about, maybe you're like, hey, I agree with all of it but I just, oh, it's, it's challenging and it's difficult and maybe it's bringing up some emotions and maybe it's bringing up some stuff in your past that you kind of thought you were over or, or you thought you dealt with and so you're, in your mind you're kind of like, man, can we, just, can we just kind of move past this so I can kind of forget this feeling because I don't like feeling this way and I don't like remembering what he shared or she did. And so um, tonight for the, for the next couple of minutes, whoops, sorry, rather when we feel like that, and when we kind of feel those emotions, what we often have this, is this tendency to do this. You know, we show up and smile. Like we feel deflated. We feel like things are not going our way. And, and you've seen people like this, and maybe you've even done it yourself. You know, you just got in a breakup, or you just had one of the worst days possible, and, and you walk into work, or you walk through the door at home, or you walk through the doors in church where everyone's supposed to be happy, and then someone asks you the question that you inevitably get asked, like, how's your day been? And your like top lip is like quivering and you're like doing everything to like hold it together or maybe if you're a guy you're like twitching like come on like keep it together and what do you say you say oh, i'm fine like life is great like everything's going super super did you see my instagram post that was an inspirational quote because i'm inspirational like things are not bad at all and, and i don't know why it is we have this tendency to do it i'm not sure why it is we decide to show up and smile but but one of the reasons that I think we kind of have this tendency is simply this, is that our default mindset is to ignore what we're feeling. And maybe that's one of the reasons that, that if we've been talking about some stuff that's been difficult for, um, for you and it's kind of making you um, feel like you'd rather forget it, maybe that's one of the reasons why you haven't liked this series. Because you were ignoring stuff for a long time. And all of a sudden, we started to have some conversations and we began this dialogue and it started to bring stuff up and you began to feel away and you, you didn't like it because you remembered 
where that feeling came from the last time. And I think a lot of us in life, we go through situations, particularly relationally, where it hurts and, and we experience heartbreak and we're not really sure how to process it. So what we do is we just ignore it. We say, hey, if I can ignore this long enough, then I'll stop feeling this way and I'll move on and, and it'll be all right. And I know in my life that, that that was really kind of the way that I, I approach things. So I'm just going to move this stool. I keep putting it on the cord and it's annoying me. Um, yeah, it's messing out my OCD. Um, and so we had this, uh, and I used to do that in my own life. And for me, it was probably a time about five or six years ago where I, where I, I went and started seeing a counsellor and I started talking to someone about it because I just think it's healthy. Uh, if you've got some issues or if you've got some, um, you shouldn't ignore your feelings, you should talk to someone about it. And I remember, like, because the way I approach things, like, if I'm feeling a certain way, I just want to fix it. If I'm feeling a way that I don't want to feel, I'm like, okay, how do we stop feeling this way as quickly as possible? Like, I'm not the ignoring person, I'm the fixing person. And I remember one day, as I was sitting in his office, we were just chatting, and he, he asked me this question that, that I, I'd never really expected him to ask. He just said, well, well, Chris, why do you feel that way? And I was like, who cares why I feel that way? Let's just fix it. Right? Like, that's what we do, isn't it? That's what, that's what I pay you for. Like, we fix it and then we move on. And, and maybe for some of, us, some of you, you're in that situation too, where you're kind of like, I just want to fix it. I just want to move on. I just want to stop feeling this way. I just want to ignore it. And I want to push it down further and further and further so that I don't have to deal with it anymore. And if you do that throughout this series, if there's some emotions and there's some things that come to the surface, like, I know that you will be tempted to ignore it and push it down and ram it down so deep. But what happens when you do that and when I do that is, is you create this. You create baggage. And we all have baggage. It might look different, it might feel different, it might be a different shape and a different size, but, but all of us have baggage. And if you don't think you have baggage, just ask the person next to you what your baggage is after the service and they'll tell you, okay? We all have a little bit of baggage in our lives. And just so we kind of, and all of us kind of know what it is, when I put that word up there, you're like, yeah, I know what he's talking about. But just so we've got some common language moving forward, I think that's important. I just want us to give us a, a little bit of a definition for tonight. That baggage is current issues, so something that we feel in the moment, but they're not caused by something that happened in the moment. They're caused by past events, maybe a relationship breakup, Maybe you sent him or her a photo that was only supposed to be for their eyes only and all of a sudden it got leaked. Maybe you thought they were the one and all of a sudden you found out that they had a couple of other ones in the relationship. Maybe you'd bought the ring and you were ready to get down on one knee and then it all fell apart. And there's a past event that, that brings up and resurfaces in, in, in a current issue. Or maybe uh, current issues caused by past events or environments. Maybe it has more to do with an environment, maybe a family situation that you were raised in. And maybe you have baggage because of the way in which love was communicated to you when you were younger, or the way you saw love communicated. Maybe uh, you, you, uh, your parents divorced and maybe they remarried and you kind of got really confused because there was two different households and there were two different messages for, for love and the way that it was communicated to you. Maybe it, uh, and the environment was maybe your school, or your sporting club, or um, maybe uh, in musical theatre or another hobby. And maybe there was an environment that you grew up in and you saw love modelled, and because of that, you kind of took that approach and you bring that now into your relationships and it keeps popping up. That's this thing called baggage. And really what I want to do in the next couple of minutes is just really simply answer one question. The question is this is, 
What do you do when your baggage becomes too heavy to carry? What do you do? Because all of us, right, all of us have baggage. All of us carry a bag around with us and we walk this bag into relationships. We walk it into every room we go. We walk it into the workforce with us. We walk it into our friendships all, of it, uh, all the time. But there comes a point, right, where it really starts to weigh you down where it really starts to be a challenge to like lug this thing like with you everywhere you go. And, and what do you do and what do we do when our baggage just becomes too heavy to carry? And I want to I introduce us to a guy called Peter because I think Peter can give us an insight into what to do. But before I introduce you to Peter, I've got to give you a little bit of backstory and a little bit of context. Because uh, Peter, he was actually a regular guy. He was a super regular guy for 2,000 years ago. Um, he experienced the same problems and the same challenges that you and I would experience. He had a really regular job. Uh, he was a fisherman. Okay, remember this is 2,000 years ago. Like, he had a really regular job. Uh, he was worried about fitting in. He was worried. Whoa, Chris, keep bumping things all the time, man. He was, don't put that in your pocket. Yeah. He was worried about fitting in. He was worried about his clicker not working when he was up in front of people and had to give a work presentation. There you go. Uh, he, and he was worried about all the same sort of social pressures that we feel like, how am I going to pay my employees? You know, what's gonna, what are we going to have for dinner? Where are we going on the weekend? And then all of a sudden, one day, Peter walk, uh, Jesus walked up to Peter and Jesus extended an invitation. And he said, Peter, would you like to follow me? And Peter said, yeah, yeah, I think I'd like that. And so Peter became one of Jesus' disciples. And, uh, and Jesus had a whole lot of disciples, but there was a core group, maybe you've heard of them, the 12 disciples, and we kind of call them here the Dirty Dozen, because they were all like Peter. They weren't superstars, they, they, didn't, they didn't, weren't verified on Instagram, they were just regular people doing regular things. And, uh, and Peter, fast forward two to three years later, Peter's now with Jesus, and it's right before Jesus is about to go through um, being arrested and sent to the cross. And Jesus is telling his closest 12, the dirty dozen, he's telling them this. And then in the midst of it, he turns to Peter and he eyeballs him. He says, Peter, I, I need you to know something. I need you to know that in the midst of this, you're going to do something and you're, going to de- you're actually going to deny me. You're going to tell people that you don't know me, that you have nothing to do with me. And, then you're going to, and not only are you going to do it once, you're not going to do it twice, you're going to do it three times. And then a rooster's going to crow. And Peter would have been like, that is, man, Jesus, that's detail, right? Like, that's some next level detail. Like, how can you miss that? And so we're going to pick up this story, now that you've got a little bit of context, in the events that lead up to this whole denial that Peter has of Jesus. And, and Peter's following Jesus. Jesus has already been arrested. He's going to trial. Uh, and he's, it's right before his sentencing. And Peter's kind of following along. He's a little bit behind Jesus. And this is where we pick up. It says, Peter had to stay outside the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman. This is not like a woman that we would think in our culture. Oftentimes we kind of think woman, we think maybe like, I don't know, 18, that's the legal age, you become an adult, maybe a little bit younger, maybe a little bit older in your early 20s. Uh, In this day and age, a woman was kind of a woman by like 11, 12, 13, around that age bracket. And because she was watching at the gate and she let Peter in, Scholars and, and historians have kind of guessed that this is, this is probably a girl who's about 12 or 13 years old, so like a middle schooler, so a middle schooler. And this woman, this middle school girl in our culture, lets Peter in. And the woman asks Peter, you're not one of that man's, Jesus' disciples, are you? And Peter, 
being all brave and being all tough. He's like, no, he said, I'm not. And then it goes on. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it, warming themselves, and Peter stood with them, warming himself. They asked him again. So this group of people asked him again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? And again, Peter responded by denying it. He said, no, I'm, I'm not, I promise, I promise. And then this happens. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked. Now, before we get to what he asked, like we just need to pause there, right? Peter cut someone's ear off. We need to talk about that. We just can't glaze over that fact. Because what had, what had happened is Peter was there when Jesus had got arrested. Peter was in the garden when, when the Roman soldiers came to arrest him and Peter was not happy about it because that's his boy. And Peter actually pulled out his sword and an altercation occurred and in the process of that altercation, Peter ended up cutting off someone's ear. And now the relative or cousin of the man whose ear Peter had cut off is standing around the fire. And this is what he asked him. He's like, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? Aren't you the dude that cut my cousin's ear off, man? And then Peter's response, again, Peter denied it. Like, I don't know how this worked. Like, Peter's just like, aren't you the dude who cut my cousin's ear? Nah, man, that wasn't me. I swear it wasn't me. And I don't know how Peter managed to sidestep that. Like, John, John who wrote this biographical account, um, he doesn't tell us, but what we're told is that immediately a rooster crowed. No one got beaten up. There's no, there's no account of, like, that guy getting angry. Somehow Peter dodged it. But what happened after he said that the third time is immediately a rooster crowed. Could you imagine what it would have been like to be Peter in that moment? Because I, I could picture that just hours earlier when Jesus turned to Peter, Jesus probably said, Peter, you're going to be the guy who denies me. And Peter would have been like, me? Jesus, no, not me. I'm not the guy that denies you. I'm the guy who, who follows you forever. Like, Peter, uh, Jesus, don't you remember when we met? My name was Simon, and you gave me a new name. You gave me the name Peter. And what does Peter mean? It means the rock. Jesus, I'm the rock that holds this group together. Like, I'm not going to deny you. I'm the firm foundation that holds all... I'm going to be holding everyone else together in the midst of it. And so Peter, who, who said this and, and told Jesus, hey, I'm never going to walk away, finds himself in that situation. In Jesus' hour of greatest need, Peter drops the ball. And I can't imagine the kind of guilt that would be going through Peter's mind. I can't begin to imagine the kind of things that he would be saying to himself, the shame that, that he would be feeling. And we don't know this for sure, but, but I'd like, I'm kind of throwing a guess that, that what happened on this night changed Peter forever. Because we actually don't have any account of Peter being at the cross as Jesus was murdered. And maybe that was for another reason, but, but maybe Peter thought to himself, the, the last person Jesus is going to want to see as he's in that agony is the guy who left him out to dry, is the guy who denied him in front of people. And maybe... Maybe Peter's guilt and his shame kept him away. And we're not sure why. Maybe it was his guilt and his shame. Maybe it was something completely different. But we know that 
that in that moment, or shortly after that, Peter actually chose to unfollow Jesus. Peter actually went back to being a fisherman. Peter said, hey, I'm, I'm done with this whole Jesus thing. I, I'm going to go back to fishing for fish, fishing for fish, supplying the needs of my community. I'm going to go back to what I used to do before I met Jesus. And I don't really know, I can't, you know, we can't go back in time and get inside Peter's mind. But all that I know is that Peter's story doesn't end there. And your story, maybe there's something in your life that you've been carrying some baggage and you've got some guilt and you've got some shame. I want you to know that your story doesn't have to end that way. It doesn't have to finish right now. And so what I want to do in the next, as as we wrap this series up, is I want to kind of lead us through an exercise to kind of help us begin to identify our baggage. And then I want to show you how Peter's story ended. Because all of us have some baggage, right? And, and for a lot of us, the bag that we carry around, if we were to talk to our friends and if we were to ask them a question, hey, hey, what's my baggage? Our friends could probably tell us some things, right? They could say, well, you know, there was that night a couple of months ago or last summer where you know it wasn't a great night and you know you made some unwise decisions. Yeah, that's, that's probably in there too. And there was that whole Snapchat saga. Yeah, that's, that's probably in there too. There was that guy or that girl you thought were the one and then it didn't go to plan. That, that's, probably, that's probably in there too. And you could probably think of your own stuff that, that you've kind of put inside this bag. But, but then if we go a layer deeper, there's some stuff that we've pushed so far down that none of our friends really know about. Or if they do, they kind of only know that the part, they only know the parts we want to see, like the sanitized version. Because within all of our baggage, there's, there's usually another bag. And this bag gets really, really heavy and gets really, really difficult to carry at times. And, and this is this bag called shame. And shame, shame and guilt are often kind of these two things that are, that are used together. But shame takes this really natural emotion, this, this emotion called guilt. Guilt is healthy. Guilt is that, that thing that says, oh, I really think I need to apologize. I really need to go and rectify that situation. We really need to, we really need to smooth things out. Guilt is that, uh, shame is that thing that takes guilt and personalizes it. Shame is that thing that takes guilt and makes it this huge bag that you just kind of feel the weight of, of everything kind of crashing around you that you just uh, struggle to kind of hold on to. And guilt says, I messed up. And shame changes the language. And shame says, you are a messed up. That because of your decisions, that because of your past, you are unlovable. You are unlikable. No one could ever want to be with you. And shame makes it so, so personal. And then inside shame, perhaps for some of you, there's this other emotion, and this other bag, and, and it's the bag of bitterness. And bitterness is this funny thing that often springs up and, and the thing with bitterness and the thing about bitterness is, is we want to so badly put it down but the way so many of us try to put bitterness down is by reaching for something else and, and a lot of the way we reach for something is we just think if I can just reach for something else it'll stop the feeling that I feel around bitterness. If I can just reach for that porn, if I can just reach for that alcohol, if I can just reach for popularity, 
If I can just reach for social status, then maybe one day I'll feel good enough and I'll, and I'll drop bitterness. But we never end up dropping it because the numbing effect we get just gets heaped and we get drawn back to shame. And we hold on to this bag. Maybe for some of you with bitterness, it's not so much reaching for something, but you, re- uh, but, uh, sorry, but you retreat. You retreat and you run away to Netflix. You run away to Stan. You run away to your phone. You run away to Instagram or to Facebook. And you just kind of your, you got yourself in your phone, on the screens, uh, just watching whatever movies. You don't even know how you got down that rabbit hole on YouTube. But the reason you did it is not because you care or not because you're trying to procrastinate doing an assignment, but because you're trying to numb the feeling of bitterness. Well, maybe for some of you, the way that you react to bitterness is, is you just react, right? You're all up in your feelings all the time, and you respond out of your feelings all the time. In fact, you're beginning to develop a little bit of a reputation around your friends that they have to walk on eggshells around you because they're not sure how you're going to respond to certain situations, and that's, that's what bitterness, the baggage of bitterness can do to us. And then there's a final one, and this one's very very personal. And it's why I put it in this kind of toiletries bag. And this is hurt. Hurt is, is so, so personal. And, and you can look at these and you're like, yeah, it's not really bitterness, it's not really shame, it's not really guilt. But there were some words that were written. Or there were some things that were said. Or there were some actions that happened. And, and it just caused this immense, amount of hurt and you just hold that in this little box and it is buried so far down inside of you that you don't want to open it because you wouldn't even know what to begin to do with it if you did open it and maybe tonight as you're looking through these bags maybe you're thinking to yourself well hurt bitterness shame it's not really one of those chris but maybe you've got a good idea of what it is maybe you've got a, a bit of an idea or a bit of a handle on that baggage that you're kind of starting to hold on to or that you are holding on to a little bit. And, whoops, <clears throat> thought that one was earlier. And so you take this baggage and I want to show you how Peter ends up. And then I want to give you something to do that will help you relieve your baggage. Because as I said, we, we left the story with Peter where he's a mess up, where he's walked away, where he's a failure. Yet a short while later, Peter is standing up in front of thousands of people, telling them about Jesus. And thousands of people are coming to faith for the very first time. In fact, Peter went and started the very first church. Some of you thought that was Jesus. It wasn't. It was Peter who began the very first church. In fact, Jesus said, Peter, I want you to be in charge of the Jesus movement. And when Peter was an old man, as he was reflecting on his life, This is what Peter wrote about how he overcame his baggage. He says this, he says, cast all your anxiety. Now this word anxiety, we often associate that with a feeling in our culture, but Peter would have written this in Greek. And this Greek word for anxiety is really more of a word like stuff or baggage. Stuff that you hold on to, baggage that you carry around with you. Cast not some of it, but all of your stuff or your baggage on him because he cares for you. And I know that that some of you, you have a hard time believing that. 
you have a hard time saying, yeah, well, Chris, if God really did care for me, why would he give me all this baggage in the first place? Why would he let me carry it all around in the first place? Does he really, really care if I have to lug this around all day? And I think if Peter was here tonight, what what Peter would say in the, the gentlest way possible is that, didn't you have a hand, a little bit of a hand to play in your baggage and how you got your baggage? Because Peter would say, I know I did. He said, I know I had a hand to play. I know when I was in front of Jesus, in in front of that middle school girl, I was the one doing the denying. And it was my decision to step away. It was my decision to unfollow Jesus. I played a hand in collecting that baggage. But here's what else Peter would say. Peter would say, but when Jesus rose from the grave, he actually came looking for me. When I wasn't there at his death, when he came back, he came looking for me and he found me trying to hide, trying to run away from my baggage. And he said, Peter, why, what's with the guilt? What's with the shame? Let's, let's move forward. And Peter said, in that moment, I got to cast my stuff on Jesus. In fact, I think if Peter was sitting here tonight, what he would say to you is just this, that your baggage will weigh you down. He would have said, yeah, because I had my own baggage. But what he would say is, God's grace will set you free. God's grace will make a way for you to deal with your baggage. And he's saying, and I've experienced that firsthand. And so our application for tonight as we close this series is, it's kind of really, really simple, actually. I just want you to ask, what do you have in your baggage that's got to go? What do you have that you carry around with you into relationship after relationship after relationship that you look at and that you say, it's got to go. I've been holding on to that shame for too long. I've been holding on to that hurt for too long. I've been holding on to that bitterness. I've been holding on to that whatever bag it is for far too long. What have you got? Because here's the reason why I want you to do this what Peter said and it's what I hope you'll experience that there's actually freedom in letting go that there's freedom in knowing that the God of Christianity the God who created the world actually cares so much about your daily life that he would insert himself in and say hey all your stuff give it to me and I'll deal with it because all your stuff when you try to hold on to it it just weighs you down but I promise you if you trust me enough to give it to me it won't weigh you down anymore and I'll remove it and it'll let you and you'll experience freedom now as we finish tonight normally this would be the part of the night where we kind of go into communion and I'd give a little spiel if you don't know what communion is or you're brand new here and I'd launch in but we want to do something different because because I really want, and our team really wants you to begin to actually take the first step to deal with your baggage. And even if you're not a Christian, I actually think you can begin to deal with your baggage. Because let's be honest, who doesn't want better relationships? Who really wants to carry this stuff around, regardless of whether you're a Jesus follower or not? No one wants to lug their baggage around. So what we're going to do in a minute is I'm going to give you the opportunity just to sit exactly where you are. And if you're a Christian, I'd invite you to just pray to God. Just silently. The band's going to sing a song, so it's not going to be awkward, okay? Right? But I'm just going to give you a moment right where you're at. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can pray to God. 
And maybe there's a particular thing that's kind of swirling around in your mind that you kind of just know, I just, I just really need to give it to God today. And if you're not a Jesus follower, that's totally okay. But maybe for you, you just need to sit there and you need to think and you need to just ask yourself, what would it look like for me to let that baggage go? What would it look like for me to move past that? I think the best answer is Jesus, but I totally get it if you're like, no, Chris, I'm not having any of that. So I just want you to figure out for yourself, what would it look like for you to stop moving this baggage around? And the band's just going to sing one verse of a song as you sit there. We're not going to have any words on the screen because we just want this to be an opportunity for you if you want to, to kind of let some of that go. And then after that verse is done, I'm going to come back out. I'm going to pray for us really quickly and we're going to finish off our final song as we do. But if you're confused or if you're not sure about what to pray, I think one of the best ways is just to be honest. It's not to try and like make it up, but just simply talk to God. Maybe just in your, in your own head, just say, God, there's, there's some stuff that I'm carrying. You know exactly what it is. And I want to give it to you and I want you to take it away because I'm tired of it weighing me down. So I'm going to provide a little bit of space for you to do that right now. to pray Jesus we thank you that you are a God who cares about us personally who cares about what's going on in our lives Lord we thank you that, that you're not distant but that we can actually give you our stuff that we can give you our baggage and we can experience freedom and Lord I pray for people here tonight who are beginning that process of dealing with their baggage I pray that, that they would experience the freedom that you have and I pray that Maybe there's some people here tonight who they're, they're really not sure about this whole God thing or Jesus thing, but maybe they're so sick of their baggage that they've come to their end, and so they're just going to cast it on you anyway. Lord, I pray that, that they would be so bold as to take that step and to say, Jesus, I don't even know if you're real, but if you are, I want to just give you my baggage just to, to see what happens, because I'm done with carrying it. And Lord, I pray that as a result, would we, that we would experience freedom that we would have healthier, stronger relationships. We would live with fewer regrets and that we would make wiser decisions. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.